Welcome to The Trouble with Sex, where we get up close and personal with leading experts to expose the naked truth about sex, love, and relationships. I'm Dr. Tammy Nelson. As a sex and relationship therapist, I've helped thousands of individuals and couples improve their sex lives and enjoy intimate and fulfilling relationships. Together with my guests, we'll talk about the latest trends, answer your questions, and share insights into the most pleasurable, sometimes painful, but often forbidden aspects of the human experience. If you've ever been challenged by the concept of monogamy and what it means to you and your partner in your relationship, you're far from alone. Communication around the meaning of this one word is a huge component of how I work with couples. That's why I've been honored to be invited to do a TED Talk based on my book, The New Monogamy. To watch or listen for tips on how to make your relationship sexier, search for Dr. Tammy Nelson, TEDx, The New Monogamy, or go to thetroublewithsex.com for a direct link. Since the Me Too movement, young people coming of age today have never been more aware of their gender roles, the power dynamics of relationships, and sexual harassment, abuse. Dating today is complicated. And the trouble with sex is that it's a lot of trouble. So more people than ever before are trying to protect their bodies and their sexuality. And so coming of age is still and always will be awkward. It's confusing, but maybe now more than ever in this time around this idea of consent, what does no mean and what does yes mean? So how do young women, men, and those who don't identify with either gender head off to college? How do they enter the world? How do they enter relationships? And who is there to guide them? What if your parents, what do you teach your young people about being safe, about being empowered, about being respectful, but also teaching them at the same time to be open, curious, to enjoy the pleasures of love and sex and relationships. What is the future of dating going to look like in this world? And how do we move forward? Hashtag what now? You know, what does it mean to communicate? What does it mean to work with your own sexual desire? Today's guest is Dr. Deborah Berry. She's a PhD clinical psychologist and a sex therapist. She works with couples and she lives in New York City. She's a psychoanalyst and she's going to talk to us today about the three things you need to have a sexy, consensual relationship. I'm so happy to have her today. Deb, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Tammy. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. So, Deb, let me ask you a question. So, In the 70s, you were part of the feminist movement and the whole sexual revolution, and things have changed so much since then. Do you see patients today or couples or clients that have different concerns than ever before? And how do you work with them? What do you tell them? And Tammy, things have certainly changed quite a bit since the 70s. And in some ways, young people benefit from this atmosphere of consent. So tell me about that. Like, how does it work for them? The fact that they go into their sexual development, puberty, teenage years, early adulthood, knowing 
that consent is important. Meaning they could say yes or they could say no. Absolutely. So they already know, they've learned now that that's an option. And that's so important. At the same time, I think that while there have always in every generation been challenges that lead to anxieties and inhibitions, young people are inhibited and anxious. And in some ways, consent and arousal don't mesh very well together. So tell us, tell us the difference. Like consent means I say yes if I want to say yes, or I can say no if I want to say no. But arousal is something different. So tell us what that is. So when you are sexually aroused, under most circumstances, your body wants more sexual pleasure. Sex is pleasure of the body, in the body, and it's about giving and receiving and mutual pleasure. Once aroused, there is a physical urge to pursue pleasure. That gets very complicated for both men and women, for everyone. The important thing is knowing when you go into a sexual experience that you're going to get aroused, probably, and that you're going to be in an altered, somewhat altered state. In some ways, it's like drinking. People don't decide what to do with their life savings when they're drunk. <laughs> so, so it's important to know that even though your body's aroused, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to say yes, that your body might be saying yes, but you could still say no. Right. And that your partner's consent is important, And that too. your partner's consent is important, too. Right. So for young people today, I think the important thing is understanding that sex is intensely pleasurable and that we want everyone to enjoy sex under the right circumstances. And sometimes it's not pleasurable. So if you start to have it and it's pleasurable and then it becomes not so pleasurable or you lose your arousal, is that an automatic no? Or what should you do then? Well, it's complicated, but for the most part, that's where one of the most important things comes in, and that's communication. In every relationship, every healthy relationship, there's communication. And communication from both partners, and there's acceptance and respect for a partner's wishes, preferences, feelings, based on that communication. So if you're a young person and you're just learning about sex and relationships, how do you create that acceptance and that communication? And how do you tell somebody, you know what, I was kind of into this and now I'm not so sure. And this is kind of a, I don't know if this is a yes or no, maybe this is a maybe. And Tammy, the way you just said it is fine. You know, I mean, just to say what you're feeling, including If that's confused, not sure, mixed up, all of that is fine. And that's a very natural part of sex. Yeah, that's great. Is to have mixed feelings. That's so important what you're saying. The ambivalence, I think, has never been as important as it is now to give people permission to be ambivalent. Uh That it's Uh not just no. It's not just no means no. But the ambivalence to be able to talk about, I'm not sure. Right. And I think that's confusing, not just for girls, but for boys. I agree. I agree. And I think it's particularly tough for boys. You know, in some ways, they're in the glaring spotlight of Me Too. And 
boys in this generation still grow up with masculine privilege and prerogative. And they encounter social pressures to have sex. And in the past, they used to encounter a lot of social pressure to not pay much attention to the females, to the girlfriends, to the woman's um, communications. Mm -hmm. That's changed Mm -hmm. just recently with the Me Too movement. Right. They have to be super sensitive now. Yes. And super hyper aware of what their partner is saying. And that's important. That's very important. And what happens when their partner is ambivalent or when they're ambivalent? What should they do? I think more communication. What I encourage young people to do is to understand that they might not feel 100% about something, but if there's the majority of them wants to try something and their partner's on board for it, then experiment, explore, pleasure each other. I think that that makes sense. Mm-hmm. They don't, you, you can't expect to feel 100%, mm-hmm. but you should feel comfortable and you should feel desire and that you want to try something. So comfort, desire, and being comfortable with each other to try something, even right. if it's an experiment. Yes. I think that's good advice. And so what would you tell girls out there that are listening to, in order to feel empowered to stand up for themselves, what's some advice you could give them? Well, I do encourage everyone to learn about their bodies and to learn about sexuality. One of the books that I recommend is The Guide to Getting It On by Paul Johannides. And, you know, so you want to learn about your own and your partner's body. Mm-hmm. And you do want to explore and you want to experiment. And if there are things you want to try, fantasize about it. Talk about it. You know, try it on for size. Mm-hmm. See if that's something you'd like to experiment with. So what do we do about this reality in our society today that a lot of young people are learning not from books that you might recommend as a psychologist and a sex therapist, but from porn? And so there's like a lot of entitlement to I learned this on porn and I got this online and how come she won't do this? And I saw this and all girls do this. What do we what do we do with that? And porn is the equivalent of fast food for your sex life. (laughs) Fast food for your sex life. So, you know, fast food, it's got high fat and sugar and salt, all the things that you most crave because of our biological evolution. But those are the things that are not nutritious. Mm. Those are the things that are not healthy for you. And ultimately not satisfying. Right, right. And porn is the same thing. It's an infinite supply of varied sexual images. So when someone is masturbating to porn, it's just visual. Mm -hmm. It's explicit. Mm -hmm. It goes for the punch. Mm -hmm. And it's one-person sex. Mm -hmm. Two-person sex is multidimensional. It's very complicated. You've got Mm -hmm. many channels of emotional feedback, sensory, olfactory. Mm -hmm. And two-person sex is like a reciprocating current. Mm -hmm. There's a synergy. So the pleasures are much greater, much deeper, 
and, and multidimensional and more challenging. So Absolutely. people are looking at porn and thinking, well, I want to do it this way, but then they get into bed with a real person and the challenges of how do I how do I talk to someone like you said before? How do I communicate? What about all the emotions that are getting triggered? So what do you recommend for someone who's been regularly masturbating to porn or learning about sex through pornography, and then they want to get in a relationship with a real person. It's not just boys that are looking at porn now. Over 30% of girls are looking at porn, too. So what do they do now? It's really important to understand that porn is not a good sex education. No, it's not good sex ed. (laughs) And for so many reasons, what it teaches Boys and girls, I mean, at this point in time, a lot of porn is really male pleasure oriented. Totally. totally. It's all about getting to that finish line, which is usually the male ejaculation. Right. Mm-hmm. And and what really needs to happen is people need to understand that porn is that fast food. It's a quick, you know, get your rocks off. Right. And not real. Not not fulfilling. It doesn't have the richness. There's nothing like that synergy of that reciprocating current of two people enjoying giving and receiving and mutual pleasure. So, so let's talk more about how we're going to feel worthy of that pleasure and truly understand relationships after this commercial break and a word from our sponsor. I have an important wellness message for anyone listening who has a vagina or loves someone with a vagina. Did you know that a healthy vagina naturally has an acid pH and any soap is going to harm that? Good Clean Love's line of natural feminine products will help you maintain a healthy pH level. So feminine washes, wipes, moisturizer, lubes, and their latest vaginal probiotics are all going to support your healthy feminine ecosystem. Best of all, you get 15% off for listening to the Trouble With Sex podcast. Just use TTWS15 at goodcleanlove.com. And welcome back to the Trouble With Sex. I have a great guest today, Dr. Deborah Berry, who's a sex therapist and a clinical psychologist. And we're talking about pleasure and consent and porn and communication, which is the most important thing about how to empower yourself to stand up, to have a wonderful sexual relationship, and whether you're a boy or a girl or a man or a woman. And so, Deborah, I want to ask you, how do you work with people to help them feel worthy of pleasure and to truly understand what it means to be in a relationship while at the same time having hot sex? What's the secret? So for young people, Mm -hmm. the most important thing to start out is that they feel safe in the environment they're in and with the person they're with. Mm -hmm. So there we have communication Mm -hmm. and consent. So communication, consent, and safety. Yes, yes. So that's the conditions under which you can now begin to explore sexual pleasure. So those are three things for our listeners to know. You need three things to explore sexual pleasure. Communication, consent, and safety. Yes. So without killing the excitement of having a new experience or meeting a new person, you still need to communicate. Mm-hmm. You still mm-hmm. need to consent. And you still need a safe environment. Right. Right. And so what's next? At that point, I encourage, again, you know, and especially I think women, to 
learn as much as they can about their own bodies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's easier for men because their organ, the penis, is their favorite toy. They've been playing with it all mm-hmm. their lives, and they know a lot about it. Women need to learn about their sexuality, about their genitals, about their bodies, about what turns them on and when and why. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't been playing with your clitoris or your vulva all your life, you need to get down there and start start playing. Yes. So learning about your own sexual pleasure, what turns you on, how to give yourself an orgasm, that will help so you can communicate that to your partner. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. If you're gay, straight, doesn't matter. You need to really figure that out as part of uh, being in a sexual relationship. Absolutely. And if you're in the midst of a sexual relationship or you started one and it's not working, what do you recommend? Well, I think the first thing is to look at why. Is it that maybe your sex life is one-sided? One person is doing all the giving and the other one is receiving the pleasure? I think relationships need to be balanced. People need to be capable of both giving generously and receiving pleasure. Yeah, that's such good advice. And I want to leave time for a question from one of our listeners. Someone called in and asked, if I'm dating and the other person always is the initiator and I want to initiate, but I'm afraid, what should I do? You need to tell your partner what you just said and ask them to hold off and then initiate. And so what would that look like if this person is afraid to initiate? What are some things that they could actually do to get over that initial shyness? Well, maybe rehearse in their head. Rehearse in their head, yeah. Even rehearse with their partner. Mm -hmm. Come up with things that they're going to do to seduce, Mm -hmm. to initiate. So start off like with a fantasy and then maybe practice some things. Sounds good. Maybe have a signal. So I think everybody initiates differently. Uh Like some people have like subtle signals where, you know, like I have a couple that they always say, I know if he holds the remote in one hand facing towards the television, then no sex tonight. But if he holds it in the other hand towards the TV facing me, then I know I'm going to get lucky. So she's got a code. (laughs) It's a code. Yes. Exactly. It's initiation code. Yeah. And so sometimes those signals are subtle, but sometimes they can be you know, I'm walking into the room naked, let's go. So yes, yes, you yeah. might you know, you might want to think about what are some ways that you can initiate that are subtle and what are some ways that are, are pretty pretty in your face. I agree. And so if someone's shy, your suggestion is to think about it and also practice and communicate. Yes, and I do think too, both movies, television, music videos, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but anyway, um, erotica, written erotica, stories, you know, there's a wealth of role models out there for people to emulate. Yeah, that's a good idea, but not porn. (laughs) Porn tends to be pretty explicit, pretty genitally focused, and there's not a lot of subtlety or creativity. And there's not a lot of story. The plumber comes to the door and suddenly they're having sex. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So any last pieces of advice for people who are dating in this time or trying to move forward in a way that honors consent, gives permission, but also initiate sex and is empowering. I just do want to encourage young people to remember that sex is and will be hopefully the most intensely pleasurable experience that you may have in your life. And it's something that you deserve 
to enjoy and to get good at. Mm, That's such good advice. So honor that it's going to be a pleasurable experience and also that you're going to get good at it, which implies you can practice. Yes. That it may be awkward and uncomfortable in the beginning. As you get better at it, it's going to get better. Yes. And that practice, consent. So can we leave our listeners with a little script around what consent sounds like? Like if you were in a relationship, you're just starting to have sex. I understand like no means no, but what's another way to share with your partner whether you consent or don't consent to a certain act? You have any thoughts about that? Sure. I think saying I'm up for oral pleasuring tonight. How about you? Perfect. So to be able to reinforce something in a positive way, I'm up for something like I'm up for oral pleasuring would mean you're reinforcing and saying a positive, pleasurable yes. Yes. And if if you get into the act and you say, you know what, I'm not really into this or I'm losing then my to positive feeling. Yeah, to say it just like that. To say I'm kind of losing my yeah. my feeling here. Yeah. Can we do something else? Right. I really like how you talked about comfort and desire and also to be able to be really clear about that script around the positive, pleasurable yes and mm-hmm. then... It's okay to be ambivalent and change your mind. Right. Thank you, Dr. Deborah. It's been such a pleasure to have you. And in the wake of this confusion around consent and young people coming of age today around their sexuality, we need more people like Dr. Deborah to talk about how to find pleasure, how to communicate about sex, how to be safe and respectful, and also to be in touch with their own eroticism. This episode of The Trouble with Sex was sponsored by our friends at Good Clean Love, revolutionizing sexual health with organic and natural solutions made by women for women. To find out more, go to thetroublewithsex.com or email me at drtammy at thetroublewithsex.com. Join our mailing list, follow us on social media, sign up for our newsletter, or send me a question. The Trouble with Sex is produced by Brandy Savitt and Jane Applegate. Audio post by Flavor Labs, Brian Quell and Eric Stern. And our music is by Bruce Hirschfield. <laughs>